So we're going to carry on with the um, series, Light and Love. Um, can you put the... Uh... Oh, not that one. All right. Um, let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you. We thank you for um, all that we just heard there. We thank you for Daniel and his heart to want to step out of comfort and ease and to really just be available to you. And for those that have just come forward, for, the, for, for those like Richard and Damola who are, are willing to go, Lord, and maybe there are some here that know the call of God to go to our neighbours, Lord, and to go into our workplaces, Father, we just thank you. And we thank you, Lord, that um, what we're going to consider this morning about the world, we are called to be in the world, but not of it. So, Lord, I want to pray that you may challenge our hearts, give us eyes to see, Lord, truth, help us to understand what's going on around us and to understand what your word is saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, the, um, if there are a couple of things you can do but on, uh, this morning, but the QR code doesn't work because I didn't realize I have to pay for it <laughs> um, and I don't want to pay for it. So, you can go to that address, menti.com, and you can put in the, uh, that six-digit code and um, so I'll let you do that for a few seconds. And as this is about the world, um, I thought we could just follow some of the patterns in the world. Every now and then, we're going to have an advert break. Um, yeah. And, we're, and uh, so I've got a few videos as well. And they are relevant, except for the first one is just funny. So um, just to get us going. But, so once you're ready on that, because um, the screen's going to change in a minute. So I'll just give you a second or two. 442957 Okay, thanks Dave. Do you want to we kick off with a first four and have, have break? Das hier ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächter. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebens Mayday, Mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you... Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are sinking. We're sinking. What are you thinking about? I just thought that's fantastic. So uh, we are in uh, 1 John 2, 15 to 27. And uh, there's a few verses, but let's just start with this one first of all. Hopefully you can read that. Don't worry about these big bold names, but if for those who are interested in really understanding some of these um, ideas, the, um, philosophies, influences, you can look into that. Um, but this is what John says. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So do not love the world 
or the things in the world? And we've got a couple of questions there. First of all, we need to understand what do we mean by the world? It's a very important um, question. Um, but the, this, the phrase, do not love the world, when you look into the original language, it can mean two things. Stop loving the world or do not start loving the world. So John's writing and he's challenging them. He could say in two ways. He's challenging them to stop loving the world. But what is the world? Can anyone tell me John 3.16? Anyone want to shout it out? For God so loved the world. So that's a little bit confusing if John is saying do not love the world when Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and, and so forth. And so the, the world in it, as it relates, when Jesus was saying, it relates to the people of the world, as us. Um, but when John is talking about, he's not relating to the people of the world. He's talking about a system, like a world system, as a system, an influence um, and so, uh, summarized like this, the world as a system with its possessions, positions, and pleasures, all radically never changing in opposition to God. So, I don't know if you knew this, that there is an influence in this world that is influencing us all the time in opposition to God. It's just the way of the world. And, um, and I mean... When you think about these things, possessions, positions, pleasures, I'm sure there's other ways you can say it. Um, but the first thing we have to identify is that there are three key um, pursuits or... Um, oh, I'll go back to that. I thought I had another slide there. There are three main areas, if you like, in which the world influences us. And John uses these terms. He says the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. And your Bible might say pride in possessions or something slightly different. And um, so that first one, the desires of the flesh is the pursuit of pleasure and self-indulgence. All about me and my own enjoyment and my own satisfaction and my own uh, indulgence. And if you wanted to look at that, you can Google that word hed um, hedonism or hedonism. I don't know how you pronounce it. The second one, the desires of the eyes, materialism, the pursuit of possessions. I see it and I want it. Um, it's um, what our society is fundamentally, I think, built on most clearly in a, in a capitalist society. It is about the consumation, consumation uh, uh, consumption, thank you, of stuff. And our stuff often it determines how we see ourselves in the world, what we have, and the pursuit of possession, the desire of the eyes. And then the third one, uh, the pride of life. Um, egoism is the word there, the infatuation of our own self. It's that which makes us feel good. It's, it's, it's me, myself, and I. Uh, if anyone remembers De La Soul from the 90s or 80s, 90s. Anyone? Yeah, one, one person. Classic song, Tracy. Me, myself, and I. And, and these three temptations are not new. These are right from the very beginning. And uh, we're going to later where it talks about Ephesians, just to give you some of the Bible background. Paul talks to the Ephesian church, same church that John's writing to. He's talking about the prince of the power of the air, who, if you like, is ruling the kingdom of the world. We'll we get to that. I mean, that's my paraphrase. 
But go right back to the beginning, to Genesis, right at the very beginning, God created um, male and female, Adam and Eve, and, uh, and you, can, you can read this in more detail. Uh, the devil comes in the form of a serpent, speaks to Eve and, and persuades her to disobey God by eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that God had already told them not to do. And this is what she said. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, three things there, good for food, the desires of the flesh, um, pleasure, food, I'm... I'm one of many people who find food most pleasurable. Um, uh, Self-indulgence, one of the greatest issues in Western society is obesity, overindulgence. She saw that the tree was good for food. Um, that touched on that. The, de- uh, the delight of the eyes, it was a delight to the eyes. That's the same thing as John says, the desire of the eyes. Um, that looks good, I'll have some of that. And the tree was desired to make one wise. You will become like God, was what the enemy said. You know, this is the pride of life. It will make me good about myself. It will make me more of my, me, myself, and I. So you see that three temptations that Eve, um, ultimately Adam, responsible for, uh, failed in those temptations. And then when Jesus came along, the devil tried exactly the same trick. And, uh, and these are the three things he said to Jesus. He said, Come up. Jesus had been, not been eating for 40 days and 40 nights. So when he said, command these stones to become loaves of bread, what's he appealing to? The good for food, the desires of the flesh. And when he said, all these, he took him up to a high mountain, all these kingdoms of the world I will give you if you fall down and worship me, the desire of the eyes. Look at these great possessions of which you can have, although Jesus already had them anyway. And finally, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down and your angels will catch you. And he quoted scripture at him, uh, which was really about the power and the authority of Christ. He's appealing to his greatness. Come, call out your greatness and the, the pride of life. And so you see these um, three things that are apparent. So when the enemy first started and then he's built a world system around these three things, these three temptations or these three pursuits or these three influences and they all go against God, which we'll look. Let's take a look at this. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. I don't know if you can read that. Sorry about that. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that's the spirit of the enemy, the devil, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of Wrath like the rest of mankind. So you see in it, hopefully this is just making this clear picture that the Bible clearly talks about a, a world influence headed up by the enemy who is seeking to forever over these three things, these three key areas that we've talked about, 
pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, possessions, and self. They're the free influences of, of the world. And uh, we were completely in it. Before we met the Lord, we were completely in it. We probably didn't notice. Um, like uh, I, I um, heard someone say, uh, if you want to, what is it? I think I wrote it down. This is worth mentioning. If you want to know about water, don't ask a fish. I don't know if you've ever heard that. In other words, he's saying a fish is in water all the time. It shapes its whole world, but we'll never know what it is. And that's what culture is like for us. That's what the world is like for us. We can be in the world. It shapes our whole lives, but we can never see it because we're so in it. And um, he goes on in Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Colossians he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, the world, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So when Jesus saves us, he takes us out of the world the kingdom world, and into the kingdom of God. So in terms of where we are seated, we are a citizen of the kingdom of God, not a citizen of the kingdom of the world. But we are still under the influence of it. And, and this is what I want us to think about, is that there are influences of the world that come into the church, our church included, let's, let's not kid ourselves, and when, I mean, when I'm talking about the church, I mean us as a people, but I wonder whether we are aware enough to notice the influences of this worldly influence. And, uh, and to, let's have another little ad break because um, I know I've, I've spoken for about 10 minutes, so we need a little bit of a refresher. But in this video, which is um, it's a, it's what they call it, satire, um, I want you to tell, just think a bit about where can you see the influence of the world? All right, thanks, Dave. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters. We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right, I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen. It's just... Okay, you cried during Cake Boss. So like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good, but we want, we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you mm -hmm. know? We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. 
Hey guys, What's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you, my name's Nick. This hey, is Molly. Hey guys, welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, wow. that's good. He does dress his age though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, oh. so there's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed, oh. no, okay, got it, yeah. perfect. Okay. So hey, let me show you around, okay? Right, Come let's on. let's do it. I do love this lobby. It's a great lobby, you know? Yeah. It's not too big, not too small. Yeah. It should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. So you need. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. No, I, First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just... Not these days. We're looking no. for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. Okay. Right, we've got a little, a little bit of interactivity now. So with that in mind... <laughs> Um, uh, we could have a little bit of a shout, but let's, let's, let's try this. Uh, what is of the world? Um, okay, this is your real test on your phones. Uh, what is of the world? Do you agree strongly or strongly disagree or agree? Drum and bass music, um, celebrating my possessions, skinny jeans and T-shirts on a Sunday, <laughs> um, living my life ar uh, around my own comfort, Television and cinema, the want of riches, boasting of my achievements. Oh, this is interesting. I don't know how many people. All oh right, we've, I don't know how many people are connected, but let's. So we've got the results are coming in. Um, with the one in the middle, there, living my life around my own comfort seems a, a a particular winner. Celebrating my possessions, that was a bit too obvious. I did that because just to make a little obvious one. Uh, the want of riches, yeah, well done. Boasting of my achievements, that's good. Um, and uh, skinny jeans has done pretty well. Timo, you're right. <laughs> uh, television, drum and bass music. I remember a story um, that I think it was Sandy, um, what was his name from HTB, the previous vicar, Sandy Miller, uh, told a story where they, they took the pews out uh, of um, HTB and, a, and a, a lady came along and saw him and said, you know, what's, what's all this about taking the pews out? And, uh, you know, this is terrible. I don't know if she said that bit, but, but he went, yeah, I know, it's, a, it's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, because so many people change, practical, physical change inside a church building was deemed the world. And sometimes when you had things like these things um, in churches, there was a time, I remember from my youngster, that that was the world was coming into the church. Uh, music, when, uh, I, as I understand it, um, in church history, when they started to introduce the piano, it was uh, into church worship. It was a real problem time because the piano was known for uh, music in pubs. So it was bringing the world into the church. But actually, these things aren't really the world. There, is, there are those things that are clearly the world, these influences, and there are things that are neutral. There are things you can use things for that, depending on where you use them or why you use them, is an appropriate use of, of um, um, you know, it is whether it's appropriate to use it. 
That's why I don't have holes in my jeans, because I feel I'm too old for that. It just wouldn't be appropriate, and I'm not wearing flip-flops. But someone else, it might be completely appropriate for someone else to do that. I'm not talking about Timo. Um, but there, you know, if, see, a lot of this, I think, what we're, when we, what, I don't know whether you're thinking this, but maybe you are saying, so, hold on a minute, um, if we're talking about desires, if we're talking about possessions and, and, you know, stuff that we have, should we, is that wrong then to want to have a certain brand of jeans or to want to have a certain car or to want to have an extension or whatever? Is it wrong to, you know, we're in a society where we're in a consumer-based society and, and our economy is based on the purchasing of stuff. Is it wrong to want stuff? Is it wrong to want to dress um, in a certain way? And I don't know whether you're thinking that. Um, and I think it has a lot of, um, uh, a lot that comes down to this word. Well, wait, come on, next. No. There we go. Motivation. What motivates you to do the things or to buy the things or to dress in a certain way? What is your motivation? What is it one of those influences where it's really about self-indulgence, where it's really about you and, and making you feel better because you need to make yourself feel better? And the root of that essentially is not knowing who you are in the Lord. Um, this is why, see, the world, the influence of the world goes against the influence of God because it robs us of the joys of knowing God. So when John says, love not the world, it's because when you love the world, you lose that joy of the love of God. There's only one place in you where, you, where if you like, the love is stored. And if you're, if you're trying to get love from the world, which through your love of the world, then you're not enjoying the love of God. And when you enjoy the love of God, you start to see how the world doesn't really... There was a video I saw which was about um, the whole process of buying mobile phones. And it was a cartoon character. He would pick up, he'd get the latest iPhone, although it didn't say iPhone, iPhone 10. But by the time he walked to the end of the street, it was iPhone 11. And then he got home, it was iPhone 12. And then he got switched on his head and there was iPhone 13. And in the end, you know, you're just caught in the trap of the materialism trap. You've got to have the latest one. And, um, but, you know, God has given us many gifts. God has given us wonderful gifts. He's given us gifts of work, of money, of family, of, you know, maybe as a, sp a spouse or even in singleness. They're gifts and they're, they're things that God has given us that we can celebrate in. And, um, but what we do with those things, what is your motivation? Does it come from a motivation that is influenced by those three things, a desire for self-indulgence, for your own status amongst your peers? Is it really about what is just satisfying your own personal feelings? And, uh, and there is an antidote. The antidote to materialism is generosity, hospitality, giving, using what you've got for the glory of God. You know, you may, you may be able to afford to, to buy a nice, whatever, I don't know, Tesla. That's where I think we need to be going. I feel the Lord's speaking to me about that. Um, 
a nice Tesla, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's one of these really fancy, expensive electric cars. But for what motivation? Is it that I can just turn up and just show you what a great success I am? Or is it that I can use that for the glory of God? And that's what I'm trying to find out. How can I use that for the glory of God to justify? Uh, um, not that I can afford it. What about um, egoism? If we think a bit about you know, the pride of life, the, you know, my, pos- my position, who I am. I want to be seen as someone who is, who is big, capable, able, and uh, all these kind of things. Well, maybe the antidote is humility, service, loving others. Ultimately realizing what we've already heard, we can do nothing of ourselves. As soon as you stop, start believing you can do it by yourself, and this is what we've heard already this morning, then, then you've, you've moved into the influence of ego. And, it's, and it's, everything comes from the Lord of any real value. And what about uh, self-indulgence or um, uh, so forth? Worship, sacrifice, prayer, fasting, obedience to God's service. All of these things that I've mentioned are attributes and lifestyles of the Christian life. When you follow, as John has been teaching us, as you follow the way of Jesus, it goes completely against the way of the world. And you can just see these things. These are the antidotes. And there's, but the problem is there's a subtle influence of the world. Now, I love curry. Um, now, when I go and have a curry and I come home, I have to have a shower because I carry with me the smell of the curry house. I don't notice it, but Jana does. And Jana's the one who says, can you go and have a shower? And, uh, but the next morning, so we went round to some friend's house the other day, and, uh, and they were cooking fajitas, and we had some fajitas. And then in the morning, I thought, I'll wear that jumper again, because I only wore it once last night, picked it up, and it stunk of... You don't realize sometimes when you're in something, do you? You don't realize what the influences are. Now, some of you might know, I used to work um, in the Tudor barn up the road. And I used to go there two or three times a week. Often would work there a lot. And I would go there, and I would, and I would basically I would do design stuff and things. And I remember consciously walking there, and I was thinking, I'm feeling as though I'm being subtly influenced by being in that environment. They weren't telling rude jokes and I was telling no 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 it wasn't like it was just the way I could see compromise coming into my attitudes starting to think about me more often maybe starting to see these kind of influences and I think you know if you're if you're going in the workplace or you're studying and you're going day day to day for, for me I don't spend that much time in those environments anymore but for the majority of us we do and those things, influences are there every day, and you might not notice it. But let's have another ad break. Thanks, Dave.
See, that's, that's the new reality, isn't it? All you young people now. Yeah, um, I mean, just, let's just examine the word selfie. So, if, is, has anyone here taken a selfie? Come on, let's be honest, come on. Come on, Darren. <laughs> no, he probably... If there isn't, it won't be Darren. <laughs> but the whole, you know, the whole idea of a selfie is, a, is a, essentially just taking pictures of ourselves. If you didn't know what that means, you just... You know, all these feeds about ourselves, And the, the problem these days is that many people, it's not who you are, it's who you perceive to be. It's who you're presenting to be. And it comes because that is the way in which the world is influencing us. That you put a mask on or you put a face on or whatever you want to put on. And now, that is the reality. And I'm not judging people here. I'm just saying that is the reality. And that's the reality that we're in. And particularly our younger generation you know, um, there's, there's that kind of reality. Uh, we are self-obsessed. Um, and I wonder whether you might notice from that video earlier, that sort of um, satire earlier about church hunters, that it's on the basis that everything that they were looking for is what satisfies their own self. And church actually isn't about satisfying your own self. Church is about a gathering of people. Fellowship is where we participate in love for one another, ultimately loving God. And um, now, of course, if you go to a place, and you know, I don't know about you, I've never been to a Chinese church. If I go to a Chinese church, it's Chinese-speaking church, it's probably not the right place for me, purely because I won't understand and I won't be able to communicate with anyone. You know, I mean, I'm just giving you a very obvious example. There are some things that you have to find a church where you feel God has placed you, you know, but that's a leading of the Lord rather than, you know, I'm going to this place because the coffee's better, um, I mean, that's, surely that's got to be on the top of some, you know, do they have free Wi-Fi? Is there parking? What's the kids' stuff like? Or all these kind of things. In the end, it's the, there's the subtle influence of the world that says, you need to look after yourself, and is that what's right for you? And that's, there's a very fine line. There's a subtle difference between the influence of the world and just practicalities. And so there's a challenge there, I think. But when it comes to social media and the way that the world is going, particularly with online stuff, um, there are signs, there are ways of just seeing what the world is about. And I, and I just want to also, maybe if I've got the slide here, other influences of the world. And again, go away, you can chew on some of these things. Um, here's the first one, <coughs> Prosperity. Now, some of you will know about the prosperity message that goes in churches, which essentially talk, says that, that um, through salvation, we have everything we need. That includes riches, that means health, that means everything. And now, to me, I don't like it, and I've been quite open about that, because I believe it's a self-centered gospel um, that is not biblical. I can't find any biblical basis in it. But it so aligns with the desires of the eye, the delight of the eyes, right from this worldly influence, the pride, uh, this desire for possessions, materialism. It comes right out of that. The second one is <clears throat> consumerism. Now, we are in a consumer society. Our, you know, we go, we buy stuff, and that's what um, our society is in terms of financially basically. And, um, and it, you see this, and just as, you know, church hunters in that video, consumer-based society, that influence in the church, um, looking for what they want, but also you find amongst the wider church, or those confessing to be Christians at least, is a pick-and-choose mentality. 
Um, they're quite happy to choose these things about God, the a Christian, but when it comes to the difficult subjects, particularly that relate to gender and sexuality, well, no, we, I'm not choosing those, I'm choosing these, because essentially they just fit within the worldly idea of lifestyle or life and things like that. And as a church, we have to face, amongst society, difficult questions, and we have to be biblical about it. The consumerism says, well, I don't believe that. I remember someone, I don't know if my dad told this story, where someone said, you know, come and preach. He said, but, but we don't preach about the Holy Spirit. So the guy said, well, look, here's my Bible. You tear out what you don't want me to preach then. You can't do that. Um, and there are, there are, and this is, I think, what John is, is trying to uh, say to the, the people. Not only have you got these people coming along who are teaching bad things, these influences, these uh, worldly influences, and when worldliness takes root in our hearts, we are open to deception. And this is, I'm just realizing time's going. Next one, uh, extremism, and where your political extremist views start to influence what you believe about God. And you see this a lot in America, extremism, and you see it in the UK as well. Um, you don't have to go far on YouTube to listen to some right-wing, extreme Christian view. Um, and you can also get the opposite. Um, so, and it, conservative or liberal, whatever way you want to look at it. But we start to interpret Scripture in the light of our political view or our um, often extremist. And it can even just come down to how do you love your neighbor? Um, I know I'm rushing through these things. Um, the first one, experienceism. I don't know if that was a word, but I found that word online, so I've nicked it anyway. Experienceism. What people are saying now is that um, society, particularly amongst the younger generations, so you're talking from like 22 under, Generation Z, it's not so, uh, often it's, um, what people are looking for is experiences. And um, uh, it was interesting. I went to a, just as an illustration maybe, Jana and I went to a lunch show about the cafe, went, and in one of these seminars, I was talking about um, now coffee shops, co good coffee isn't a new thing. People are looking for an experience. People are looking for an experience wherever they go. Young people are looking for experiences. And, um, and there's a danger that church can become a desire for an experience rather than about faith, which doesn't often come with an experience. That's the point about faith. It's about believing without the feeling. Um, it, it's rather than about love or, or the grace or service and love to the Lord. And so these things can start to experience, we can start to take on these attitudes in churches as Christian experience. May, are you picking and choosing what you agree with, what you love? You know, you know, uh, are, you, are you coming for that which really just sorts you out? And, and let me just say this, there are times and seasons where all we have is just about turning up at church. But that's not what I'm talking about. Um, are, you, are you getting extreme? Some of the stuff that I've seen uh, people or heard people talk about worries me. Not so much in this church now, but what I've heard worries me what people believe. It's almost right-wing conservative Christianity. But we bring our hearts before the Lord, don't we? And the psalmist said in Psalm 139, Search my heart, see if, there's, if there is any offensive way in me. And um, this is where John now takes us into this next section. So he's saying, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Be careful of possessions, all these things that I've said. 
And then he, then he goes into his next passage, and, and uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Because the connection here, he says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you almost everything, Oh, sorry, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. First of all, what is the Antichrist? Um, if you search on Google Antichrist, you get all these kind of weird and wacky things uh, from Revelation. And in this, John actually says in verse 22, he says, The Antichrist, who is the liar but who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Anyone who denies that Jesus is God is, in, in John's words, anti-Christ. And um, so, you, you know, keeping it simple on there. But he's turning his attention to them. He's saying, um, and first of all, I want to say this. Just where it says there, they went out of, uh, from us because they were not of us, does not refer to people who leave the church and they're going somewhere else. So it doesn't mean because someone's moving on somewhere, well, they were never of us. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those people that went out because they were not received by the godly. They went out to start their own thing. They went out because they were in disagreement and uh, uh, because their theology or their, all these people that John's warning them about, they went out. And uh, Jesus told a parable. He talked about a farmer. I think I've got a slide for this. Um, he talks about a farmer who uh, they sowed good seed, and then an enemy came along and sowed weed, basically, or bad seed, in with the, with the field. And as they started to see the sprouts come up, it came known to them that someone had sown this bad seed. So the son said to the farmer, should we go and pick out all these weeds? He said, no, leave it. Um, when it grows into its uh, harvest time, then we will separate out the bad from the good. And so this is my paraphrase. So... Um, the, this thing called a tear was a plant, like a weed, that looked like some wheat in its early stage. So you couldn't tell the difference. But when it grew to its adulthood, as it were, then you could see. And um, so in the church, this is what Jesus is saying, in the church there are many people who are not true Christians. 
Now, before we start judging one another, that's not for us to judge. Um, it's for, it's for, it's, in the end, it will become... When God sits before them, or, or stands, when they stand before God, it will be known. That's not for us to judge. Um, but it's for us to follow the Lord. So, um, and then he says there are two resources to defend against deceivers. And he says in verse 20, anointed by the Holy One. And in verse 27, he says, you have all knowledge. Anointed by the Holy One, he repeats, he repeats these two things. So worldliness is pervading us on all sides. When we open up our hearts to the way of the world, we're easily influenced by deceivers. And, uh, and the New um, Living Translation says, You are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit. Every um, true Christian, when we come to God in faith, believe in Him, all that Daniel said earlier, the Spirit of God comes and fills us. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit. Was that an amen from this side as well? Amen. amen. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God in our hearts. We, you know, we are a home. I was, we had Hamo school in the, in the week and we had these kids and I was telling them about God comes to live in our hearts as his own home. Amen. This is basic stuff that we know right from the very beginning. John said, when you first became a Christian, you were told that God comes and lives in your heart. That's what he's saying. You know this from the beginning. Um, you know this is true, that you have the Holy, Holy Spirit, and God is not unkind to withhold the Holy Spirit from those who seek him. And sometimes what we say with our mouths isn't what we're saying in our hearts, but when we say in our hearts, Lord, I want you to come into my heart, and we mean it, he comes. And that's our first defense. That's our first uh, resource defend against deceivers. Something might not register in your heart when you hear things. And you think, oh, hold on a minute. He goes on, he says, <clears throat> You have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And as his um, anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. You know, you were taught this. Jesus is God. We are sinners. Jesus died to take away the power of sin over our lives. Jesus rose from the dead victorious so we can be victorious over sin. Jesus lives. Jesus come to live in us. Take up your cross and follow him. Give him your life. All these things are what we might call, this is the gospel. And, and uh, it, this is the, well, the news that we heard right from the very beginning. Amen? All right. I know that I'm losing some of you now, so I'm going to do a quiz. I've lost the screen. What's going on? Okay, facts about Jesus. All right? Here's a test. And, and the point of this is to show you what, that you know what is true. And I don't think there's anything in there that's too particularly... So the first one there, Jesus was an angel that God chose to be his son before he died on the cross, that is. Jesus stopped being God when he became a man. In order to, to die on the cross, he stopped being God so that he can be a man to die on the cross. 
When we become Christians, there's nothing we can do about our sins. Now, that one might confuse some because that's not very clear, so I might have to explain it. What I mean by that is when we become Christians, we have no power over sin. When we become Christians, sin is taken away and we no longer have any sin at all. And Jesus was the first of many spirits who came from God and we are the same as him. So far, so good. So that first one is what the, what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, if you, if you didn't know that. That bottom one is what the uh, Mormons believe. And then there are some, um, uh, that the, the middle three, or the second one is really about that God, God cannot stop being God. And that God is fully man, fully, fully human. Jesus is fully man, fully human. So when we become Christians, sin is taken away and we no longer have any sin at all. Um, so, John, so John says, he, if, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves. So that was the answer to that. So that would be a, a force. So... The, the idea here is, it just goes to show you what we really know about Jesus. All right? Abide in these truths. Abide in who Jesus is. Um, and let me just say this. There is a verse there which says, um, you need not anyone teach you, for the Spirit will teach you all things. And some have used that to say, I do not listen to anyone tell, telling me what I should believe. Um, and, and what this means in this context is you have the ability in you to discern truth. Okay? You have that ability. The Holy Spirit will teach you and show you what is truth from deception. So let's finish with this. Uh, this... I don't know if you can see this, but it's a great picture. It's German as well. I don't know, there's a German theme this morning. On the left there, you've got the broad way. And you can see it's full of entertainment and joys and wonders um, and shops and everything. And then it all goes to the fire in the top. And on the right, you've got this tiny little gate uh, door through a wall. And then you've got the cross. And then you've got um, this less attractive way. Um, I don't know why they've just got church buildings, but... It leads all the way to the kingdom of God. And Jesus said this, Enter by the narrow gate, for gate, the, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, it, enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And here's the point. If we find that we're with the multitude, do we have to question ourselves whether we're just being worldly? If we find that we're going with the flow of the world and just caught up in the ways and, and the culture of the world, then do we have to ask ourselves a question? Am I compromised? Because Jesus went against the flow. This is what's called countercultural, go against culture. There are some things that are just neutral. We all wear clothes. It doesn't matter what hairstyle you have. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. 
It doesn't matter what job you've got, to a certain extent. They're, they're neutral things. But the attitudes that drive us, the motivations that drive us, are they worldly? The way that you engage with God and the way that your relationship with God is, is it a worldly influence, some of the things we've been talking about? Is your life driven by comfort, which is one of the good signs of, of understanding what is the world? Comfort-driven. Jesus said, we are in the last days, or John says, we are in the last days, and we don't know when Jesus will return, um, but let us be those who abide in his word, follow his ways. You know, that requires that just ongoing. So do not love the world, John says. Understand what the world is. And and maybe those three things, uh, materialism, pride in possessions, what you've got, selfishness, uh, selfishness, self-indulgence, self, everything about yourself. And the final thing was, there you go, pride of life. That was a test, that was. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to be about uh, you. We want to celebrate you. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, that um, we don't want to love the world, Lord, because we are robbed of the love of God when we love the world. But help us to be wise and discerning, to know the difference. Lord, the the enemy is not um, an idiot in the way that he knows um, our human frailties, Lord. But your word says that we are not unaware of his schemes, Lord. So will you help us to be aware of when we are simply being worldly and influenced and our love is becoming warm for the things of this world, Lord, we thank you for every gift in our life. We thank you for family. We thank you for finances. Lord, we thank you for the homes that you have given us to live in. We thank you, Lord, for all these wonderful gifts. Lord, thank you for fellowship and for this family as a church, Lord. We thank you for all um, that we're able to pray and and to come to you and ask of you, Lord, for our needs. But Lord, we want our motivation to be all about what we can do for you and to love you and to glorify you. Lord, to be the best parents, to be the best um, brothers and sisters, to be the best children, uh, Lord, for your glory. Lord, that everything we have, we may spend on you. Lord, everything that you've given us, we may give back to you in praise and use for your glory. Lord, will you help us to uh, walk the narrow way, to go against the flow, Lord, and to know the difference. Lord, I particularly want to pray for our younger people, the younger generations. This culture's changing all the time. New things, Lord, that those of us who are older may not understand fully, Lord, but that you may give our young people wisdom, Lord, and insight, Lord, and ability even to teach us that are older, Lord, the ways in which this world is going. Lord, and we just thank you, and we pray, Lord, for... um, Yeah, for our uh, young people, that they would be those willing to go against the flow, Lord, in this pressure environment that they will find themselves in. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we may be lights in our workplaces, in in our homes. Lord, that we may show the way of Christ, Lord, um, and not just live in the way of this world, Lord. And you called us to be in the world and not of it. Lord, we want to be in it. We don't want to separate ourselves out. We don't want to just keep away from everyone. But Lord, wherever we find ourselves, may we be you and be Christ-like. So Lord, thank you for this time. And 
uh, commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.